Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Championship round in the books we now know. Who will be representing their respective conferences in Super Bowl 58 in Vegas in a couple of weeks? And, um, you know, as far as preseason is concerned, I, I pretty much nailed it. Uh, I, I, I'm, if memory serves, I think I had Kansas City and Cincinnati in the AFC championship game with the Bengals winning again um, and the 49ers making the uh, Super Bowl beating Philly again. But, um, or not again, but beating Philly this time, I guess you could say. Well, I was right to put KC in the AFC Championship game, but uh, they went ahead and won the damn thing again. So they're going back, and our and my initial NFC champion was the 49ers, and that's who ended up going. Unfortunately, I picked their opponents to win the games this weekend, so I came back home with a big goose egg. And our confidence came uh, this weekend, having gotten both games uh, wrong. And uh, for very odd reasons, uh, it was uh, frustrating watching the AFC Championship game um, because the Ravens basically stopped doing what got them there. And then the Lions uh, were just the opposite. They kept doing what got them there, but it also didn't work out and uh, was able to turn the tide and give momentum to the 49ers who were seemingly dead in the water uh, going into the half. So let's go ahead and get these matchups broke on down. This is the championship round review episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Oh boy, so we played this pick'em game this year, and I want to thank everybody for playing along. And frankly, I did not think I would get as many people to join in as I did. And uh, very happy to, uh, to have had you guys uh, playing with me. Uh, this year and damn you all for embarrassing me so yeah thanks for that but uh, because in the end the only comfort that I have going into the Super Bowl is that the top 10 is locked in and I am in the top 10 so that's all I got because I am 122 points behind the leader Uh, in the points game I am 19 games back in the uh, win-loss department. So I don't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning my own league. I didn't win a single week this year, and the closest that I came 
uh, to winning a week, I somehow managed to fudge the math thinking that if this game goes my way, then I'll win, and it didn't, and somehow I, I, was, I was one point wrong. I didn't see somebody coming that week, so I, I thought about my 98 points was going to be good, and instead somebody scored 99 and beat me. That was as close as I got to winning just a week of my own league. I failed absolutely everywhere. Uh, I, and I, you know, I know that just because of my luck that, uh, okay, so the Ravens lost in the, uh, and that was my big game. That was my 60. I put 16 on the Ravens to beat the Chiefs. So obviously I got that wrong. And going into halftime with the Lions up 24 to 7, it was looking good that I think me and a handful of others had chosen the Lions with our eight points. So I was like, okay, this thing's going to come down to tiebreakers. So we'll see how I do. And then the Lions win, and it doesn't matter. So I got a big zero points in. But I am in 10th place with 1503. And the 11th place is Decatur Staley's with 1469. So even if you nail all 16 points of the Super Bowl, you're not catching me. So my big accomplishment for my own pick'em game for this season is that uh, I finished in the top 10. <laughs> Just barely, but I did. A 170 and 114 uh, record, and that's with the Super Bowl still yet to be played. So I think I could top out at 15-19 if I nail the Super Bowl. So, yeah, we'll see. But uh, going in reverse here, S. Van Horn, number 9, 1507 with 171 and 113. Tanyoka, 1528 at 174 and 110. Number 7, Secret Bajant Man, 1529. So you guys can battle it out for who gets to finish higher on that one. 171 and 113. Afalava at number 6 with 1540 on a 174 and 110 record. Then uh, when we jump into our top five, it's all, you know, guys that scored over 180 wins uh, this year. Agent Orange Jerseys, 15-63 at 182 and 102. McCubin, 15-65 at 181 and 103. C.A. Zoid at 186 and 98 with 1,594 points. Then JoJo, 1601 at 181 and 103. And Fields of Dreams, who's pretty much had the lead throughout the entire season here, 16-25 on a 189-95 and record. And, uh, you know, they have a three-game lead on the next best uh, win-loss competitor, which is C.A. Zoid, and a 24-point lead in the point game over JoJo. So I think that's a pretty safe bet unless Yahoo throws us a curveball and starts giving us points for prop bets or something. I think it's a pretty safe conclusion to say that Fields of Dreams is the Bears Talk Underground Confidence Pick'em Champion for 2023. So congratulations, Fields of Dreams. You've, uh, you've done it, and if you win the Super Bowl, if you're, if, I should say if you get your pick right, you will finish the season with 190 wins, which is pretty awesome. So, yeah, congratulations for making me look like a dickhead in my own playoff, uh, my own pick'em game. So appreciate it. Anyway, let's talk about these games, man. And uh, so we start on Sunday. We got the Chiefs and the Ravens. Now, 
the reason that I was so confident in my pick of the Ravens was because they've stepped up and virtually destroyed every good team that they played this season. You know, when the Lions came in early in the season, 38-6, to they were dead in the water before halftime, the Lions were. Fast forward a couple of weeks later, another first-place team in the Seattle Seahawks comes into town. Bam, just blew them out of the water as well. I mean, and even as recently as Christmas night, facing the 49ers in what many thought would be a Super Bowl uh, preview, just and went and did it in San Francisco, too. And then you know the the week after that, they destroy my fifty eight points or fifty six or something like that against the Dolphins. Uh, the week after that, it's like everybody that they could be facing in the uh, in the playoffs, they just they ran right through them. So it was like, why would this be any different? You got Mahomes and the Chiefs, who obviously are still the chiefs. They're still the champs and they're, they're going to get a chance to defend their title, uh, in Vegas, but you know, they have not looked like the absolute dominant world beaters, especially on the offensive side. And before Travis Kelsey scored his two touchdowns against the bills last week, he hadn't scored a touchdown since week 11. People talking about how he'd fallen off and he, you know, he and Jason are probably going to retire together at the end of the season and blah, 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 blah. Well, fast forward to this Ravens game. Good God. <laughs> Travis Kelsey took over the game. So much for that. But, you know, it's like, the, like I said, the reason that I was so confident in, in the Ravens pick was that this kind of played in their hands as to who they'd been all season long. That, uh, you know, they were a team that, yeah, they, they stumbled a few times and, you know, lost a couple of games that they shouldn't have or going back looking at some of those losses, you're really head-scratching, you know, that loss to the Steelers uh, early on in the season. They let the, uh, the Browns come back on them in, Deshaun, in Watson's last game of the season. They let the, the Colts just hang around there in that, uh, I think it was week three or something, uh, like that ended up losing that one in overtime and there's one other one that I'm forgetting but it was just like these are oh they they lost basically they got swept by the Steelers but that's when they put their they put their C squad out on the field in week 18 against the Steelers so that one doesn't really count but those other three games they let this they would not put the Steelers away and then next thing you know it's picking picket to pickings for a touchdown and they end up losing that game they uh, the, the you know have the the most stingiest scoring defense in the NFL, but they gave up 33 points in a comeback effort uh, to the Browns and end up losing uh, that game. And then the one for Indianapolis, I still can't figure that one out because it was you know Gardner Minshew playing for the injured Anthony Richardson. It was like raining outside and all oh, just whatever it was, they just could not put the Colts away, and the Colts end up winning uh, that game. So. But everywhere else, when, when they had a chance to step up, they demolished everything that was in front of them. And when they had a big game situation come up, they stood tall. You know, most recently, like I said, in the back-to-back games against the 49ers and the Dolphins, a Super Bowl preview and definitely a team they could run into in the, uh, in the playoffs, and they ran through them both. I mean, just blew right through them. So it's like thinking that, okay, well, here's another opportunity for the Ravens to, you know, to step up and to, to match competition, and they're hosting the AFC Championship game 
uh, for the first time. Every other time they've played in that title game, they've been on the road. You know, even when they went in 2000, they were in Oakland beating the Raiders to go to the Super Bowl in 2000 when they had that epic, uh, you know, uh, defense uh, with Ray Lewis and Peter Bowler and and all those guys. I always want to say Ed Reed was on that team. He wasn't on that team yet. Uh, he didn't. They didn't draft him in like 2002. But uh, and then when they went again in 2012, I forget where they were, but they were on the road when they won that game. I forget who they beat to go to the AFC Championship game that year, or to the Super Bowl uh, that year. But uh, you know when they were like I think 2011 or something like that, they were on the road at uh, at um, New England. Uh, 2008, when they made it to the AFC Championship game, they lost to the Steelers in Pittsburgh. So I think this was the first time in like five or six AFC title game appearances they're actually playing at home uh, in Baltimore. And uh, for all the good that it did, because the uh, the Chiefs came out and pretty much dominated from the beginning and just kind of imposed their will on the uh, Ravens. All afternoon. I mean, it, 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 the, the Ravens went three and out on the opening drive, not the tone you want to set for this game, but okay. And, uh, then, and, and it was, I think it was the, uh, the, oh, I remember, cause I remember talking about it that the, I think the Chiefs won the toss and I think deferred, basically saying they want to put their defense out on the field first and they go three and out against the, against Lamar, who many consider to be the MVP of the season. And then, you know, they get the ball back and proceed to go on a 10-play, uh, you know, 80-something-yard drive to, uh, you know, to get on the board. I mean, and just march right down the field. Right down the field, right down the field. And then he finds uh, Kelsey in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. They're up uh, 7 to nothing, And you kind of felt the – a small like uh, dip in the in the stadium when that happened, and but the Ravens answered. Uh, it only took them six plays uh, to respond, and then on like the most Lamar play of all time, he finds Zay Flowers wide open for a uh, for a touchdown to tie it up, only to have the uh, the Chiefs come right back down. Sixteen plays, seventy five yards. You know, Mahomes is dinking and dunking. Uh, they're running the football. And, uh, you know, Pacheco runs it off guard from uh, from two yards out, 14-7. to seven. And, yeah, then th- that's where it all kind of went to hell for the, uh, for the Ravens. They fumbled on the next drive, punts through the rest of the, through the half. The Chiefs at a field goal before halftime. And then the second half, it was all defense. You know, the second half adjustments, it was all defense, and it was all mistakes from the uh, from the Ravens. Two crucial turnovers uh, in the football game. Right at the beginning of the fourth quarter was that just, it, it was a crazy sequence of plays uh, for Zay Flowers, who has otherwise been fantastic as the you know, as the rookie receiver for the Ravens uh, this year, he makes a really great play. Finally, the 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 Ravens are able to move the football because going into this drive, they had, let's see, dating back to the to the fumble, 
in the second quarter, they had one, two, three, four, four consecutive punt drives where they just, you know, so the entire the entire second quarter and in virtually the entire third quarter, it was all punts for the for the Ravens and not really moving the ball at all. Five plays, nineteen yards. Three plays, six yards. Uh, three plays, four yards. Seven plays, thirty-one yards. And then finally, they th- that's when uh, Jackson hit Zay Flowers' big fifty-four yard uh, reception on the first play of the drive to really open things up. You got the, all the way back into into Chiefs territory. You're in the red zone, and then after Zay Flowers makes this amazing play, he. <laughs> He kind of puts his hand on the chest of the Chiefs defender, kind of pinning him to the ground, drops the ball on him, kind of stands over him, and everything gets hit with a a taunting penalty. Okay. And so it went from, it was kind of like uh, what DJ Moore did last year when he was with the Panthers. He catches this crazy Hail Mary touchdown uh, over two defenders uh, and everything, and it ties the football game. But he's in his jubilation. He takes his helmet off and slams it in the ground, gets busted for um, unsportsmanlike conduct, and it makes the 30-yard extra point like a 45-yard field goal or something like that, and Eddie Pinero misses it, which forced the game to go to overtime, a game the Panthers would eventually lose. So instead of having the ball at the Kansas City 10-yard line, the 15-yard taunting penalty puts them back at the Kansas City uh, 25, and then Zay Flowers uh, catches the pass uh, from Jackson. He's going across the middle. Looks like he's going in, and when he's diving into the end zone, he reaches out the football. Ball gets popped out into the end zone, recovered by the Chiefs. It's a turnover. So where the Chiefs hadn't even sniffed the end zone since their second drive of the game in the first quarter, They were literally inches away from doing it again, finally getting in there, making it a three-point game. Would have been 17-14 to if Flowers scores this touchdown. And the ball comes out, the Chiefs recover it, and then in his anger on the sidelines, Zay Flowers bangs his hand on a, or slams his hand on the table, cuts his hand open. This was all back-to-back-to-back for him. I don't think it kept him out of the game or anything, but all of a sudden he needed to tend to a, an open wound on his hand because he got frustrated he made uh, that bad play. So he was moments away from redemption after making that foolish penalty uh, on the uh, on the big reception and instead makes an even bigger mistake that, uh, you know, cost the Ravens a touchdown and uh, cost them some kind of momentum as they head into the uh, – because this was the first play of the fourth quarter that this happened. And uh, so it was a, a very, very bad time, especially for an offense that was struggling to move the football at all. I mean, you guys, you got hurt 31 yards, plus four is 35, plus six is 41, plus 19, 60 yards on five, eight, five, eight, 11, 18. So they had 60 yards on 18 plays going into that drive. They got 63 yards on five plays, so they virtually they doubled their output since the second quarter. You know, they had 60 points in the second and third, or 60 yards in the second and third quarter, and then here in the fourth quarter, 
they have the 63 yards, and it's just, you know, and virtually one, that was all done in one play, the 54-yard reception uh, to Flowers. Crazy. And then they get to the end zone where they've been struggling to get since the first quarter, and Flowers fumbles uh, the ball. It was a wild sequence uh, for the kid, but it was a no harm, no foul. The Chiefs end up hunting the football away. They, uh, you know, pin the Ravens deep in their own, you know, the, the punt, they, they, they get dropped to the one-yard line. So it's going to be a 99-yard drive. We're going to put a touchdown on the board here. And the Ravens looked like they were doing it. It was virtually their best drive of the game. And it was their longest drive of the game by far because even their touchdown drive in the first quarter was only six plays. Six plays, 75 yards before the touchdown pass to Flowers. And, and this one was 12 plays. 12 plays, 74 yards. The Ravens get all the way down to the uh, Kansas City 25-yard line. And inexplicably, Jackson throws into triple coverage. I mean, and the, the guy that he threw to, the, the tight end uh, likely, was not was, – he was never open. He really wasn't. He wasn't even NFL open. He wasn't. And before you know it, uh, there were two guys covering likely after the, off the snap of the ball – and uh, former Bear Dion Bush uh, is the, the the deep safety came over, and he's the one that makes the interception. So essentially, Jackson threw it into triple coverage, killing another. Like I said, it was their best drive. It was their best drive of the game, killed by an, a stupid, stupid throw uh, to throw it over the middle uh, like that. Likely he's a good player. He is a very good tight end, and so it's not like he was like, why was he even throwing to that guy? It's like, why was he throwing into, why was he just throwing that pass? Period. You know, likely he's been somebody that he could depend on throughout the uh, year. So there's no question in the target. It's, why are you throwing that pass? Because even from the end zone, end zone view, it, 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 we saw, obviously, th- there were several different angles of it. You know, following him from the line of scrimmage, just isolated shot on him he had a defender on him from the beginning and it's like as soon as he broke the line of scrimmage he stuck his hand up in the air and Lamar throws him the ball but even from the end zone view he had two defenders on him immediately Jackson either didn't didn't see or didn't care about Deion Bush the safety from the other side that came across the field to uh, intercept the intercept the pass I think he was just so eager to get the ball into the end zone like I, it was it was almost like you panicked you know he saw the opportunity he had a step he had the inside angle on the two guys that were defending him but it was a terrible terrible throw terrible throw terrible choice uh terrible decision uh Dion picks it off Dion Bush picks it off easily and it's uh you know kills that drive and that was the best that the Ravens could do they added a field goal very very late in the in the fourth quarter with about two or so minutes to go uh, in the game. But a couple of plays uh, later, the Chiefs got the Brown, or the, the Ravens, I should say, to burn up all their timeouts. And then they ran. F- and then <laughs> the cherry on top was uh, on third and nine, Mahomes finds uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling uh, down the field for a huge gain. That uh, gave them a first down. It was right at the two-minute warning, or that was the last play before the two-minute warning. But the Ravens were out of timeouts. The two-minute warning was was their last opportunity to stop the clock. The Chiefs kneel on it three times, and they're headed back 
to the Super Bowl to defend the championship that they won uh, last year. So the world champs are still the world champs. Uh, it doesn't. It's happened a few times in the NFL, but it doesn't happen often that a champion gets to defend its crown in the championship game itself, and they are, will be, have the opportunity to do just that. So let's talk about what went wrong here for the Ravens, because I just went on for five minutes about how the Ravens always stepped up. Throughout the year, they would step up in games like this. Whenever they were playing the best, they played better by a lot. You know, the, the Dolphins game, the Niners game, the, Vic, or the, excuse me, the, the, the Lions, the Seahawks, virtually blowing every one of these teams out of the water when it was like, ooh, this is a big matchup. We want to talk about this game. You got first-place teams and blah, blah, blah. The, the Dolphins and the Ravens, that could be an AFC championship preview and so on and so forth. And it was just like, what a joke. What a joke this game was. 38-6 to six over the Lions. 37-3 to three over the uh, Seahawks. 56-19 uh, to 19 over, the, over the Dolphins. 33-19 uh, to 19 or something over the, over the um, 49ers. And just it was a joke what they did year in or week in and week out uh, this season. And here comes the biggest dragon of them all for the Ravens to slay. It, it was almost like it was destined. But the most curious thing was, as as you heard me mention at the top of the show, was that the Ravens got away from what got them there. And that was being the number one rushing team in the NFL. Their running backs, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, got six carries in this game. Six. The leading rusher for the uh, Ravens was uh, Lamar Jackson. He had 54 yards on eight carries, and I think maybe two or three of those were actual designed runs. You know, Gus Edwards had three carries for 20 yards, Justice Hill three carries for three yards, and then Zay Flowers ran the ball twice. So the number, the team that led the league in rushing attempts, the team that was most dominant on the in the ground game. See, the thing that Todd Munkin, the new uh, OC for the Ravens was that he was supposed to, you know, keep playing to Lamar's strengths, which means that, you know, running the football, getting the ball to the tight ends like Mark Edwards, who was back for this game uh, and likely uh, would just need to be enhanced with an actual passing game. That was what severely lacked in Greg Roman's offense was a, was a steady and uh, consistent passing game. And throughout the entire season, they succeeded in doing so, but they leaned into it way too much in this game against the team in the Chiefs that was mid against the run this season, and they decide to put Lamar in drop-back situations 82% of the time. I just saw the, the statistic on, a, uh, on an Instagram reel where Rex Ryan was fuming on, uh, what's that show called, with, with Green, Take That or something like that or get up, or whatever the hell that morning show is with, with Greenberg uh, on ESPN. Fuming. How do you, how do you put Lamar in, in a, in a dropback 82% of the time when you're the number one rushing team in the NFL, playing against the defense that is vulnerable against the run? And for all the great things that the Chiefs do, you know, their speed... When you, when you have speed like the Chiefs do on, off, on defense, you're sacrificing size. 
and the Ravens are big up front, and they have big running backs uh, as well. You're not taking advantage of that situation, and they didn't. 16 overall carries in the game and 37 dropbacks for Lamar uh, in this game. And it was a wasted uh, opportunity. You know, it, it, was, it was very much like watching Luke Getze. Or actually, more specifically, ironically enough, it was like watching Matt Nagy call an offense. Because the thing that used to make me insane about Matt Nagy and the way that he would call plays is that he had no sense of sticking with what was working. You know, he, he would try to stop it or he would stop calling it before the defense figured it out. It was like, well, that's working. We better do something else before they figure that out. As opposed to demanding that they stop it before you move on to something else. It, that was very much what that felt like. Well, they're expecting us to run, you know, because that's what we've done all season and that's how we've gotten to this point. That's how we ran through the Texans in the second half of the game uh, last week and ran away from them, you know, turning what was a 10-10 halftime game into a 34-10 to slaughter by the end of it all. So this is what's got us here all year. So we're going to go ahead and get away from that, and we're going to become a passing team and take advantage of the fact that we've got OBJ and this dynamic receiver in, in uh, Zay Flowers. We're going to take, a, you know, take advantage of the fact we got Mark Andrews back for this game. And, uh, yeah, he had, he had two catches on two targets for all the good that that did, unfortunately. So, you know, and, hell, even Lamar Jackson threw himself a pass. He got one deflected up into the air, came underneath it, and ran it for a first down uh, in that game. I mean, it was just – it was mind-boggling to, to see the Ravens just abandon the run. And, guys, this is for a game. The final score was 17-10. to 10. The score at halftime was 17 17- to seven. And granted, that's a two-score game, but you had the entire second half to run the football, to get back into what was working all season for you. And they just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. You know, when you've got effective runners like Gus Edwards and, and Justice Hill, six carries throughout the entire game, let alone what they got uh, in, the, in the second half. It was just, it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. The Ravens hadn't been so dynamic in the passing game that they would be able to lean on the passing game. And it's not like they stopped running the football because the Chiefs were all over it. It wasn't like that. They just didn't do it. And, you know, the Chiefs were like, okay, cool. So we're just going to go ahead and do what we're doing. Mahomes was 30 of 39 for 241. That touchdown to Kelsey uh, in the first quarter. Pacheco had 68 yards on 24 carries. So that's that's not even three yards uh, a carry, so it's not like the Chiefs were banging it down their throats uh, in the running game uh, or anything like that. So, I mean, but the Chiefs were much more methodical. They shut them out in the second half. It was 17-7 to halftime, 17-10 to final score. So the defense was doing its job. They made the adjustments to slow the Chiefs down uh, in the second half. But uh, when the plays needed to be made, it was the Chiefs that were making them. You know, I don't, I don't know what happened to the Ravens and what, what the hell they were doing in the second half by abandoning the run like that, which has been the strength of their offense for years now. And, uh, you know, it was a frustrating situation uh, to look at. You know, it would have been one thing entirely if you could give the Chiefs a pat on the back because they shut the Ravens down with the Ravens doing what got them there by running the football. And instead, the Ravens just didn't do it. And you got Lamar Jackson dropping back. He got sacked four times. He threw that insane inception 
interception in the fourth quarter. And, you know, the, the few opportunities the Ravens had, it was the Chiefs making the plays that needed to be made. Forcing the fumble on Zay Flowers, uh, you know, Deion Bush coming over and making the interception uh, in the end zone. You know, it was turnovers that killed those, those super promising uh, drives for the Ravens. So kudos to the Chiefs for making the plays that needed to be made, you know, and even in the, uh, in the end. That play to Marquez Valdez-Scantling was the only the second ball he caught the entire game, but it was 32 yards and the most important first down of the season uh, for the Chiefs. It sends them back to the uh, sends them back to the Super Bowl. So I uh, I thought the Ravens would do what they'd done all season and step up like they had against every other top team they've played this year, uh, but instead they uh, they decided to try to be the smartest guy in the room and uh, went home with a big L. So, NFC Championship game. I made my thoughts clear about this game. And not that I hedged my bets or anything like that, but I did say I thought the 49ers would win. (laughs) But I picked the Lions because that's who I wanted to win. The Ravens were both. I wanted the Ravens to win, and I thought the Ravens would win. Uh, I wanted the Ravens to win just because I think it's boring to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl every stinking year. Um, we're 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 in it for uh, we're in it in for it again. But uh, you know, I've been living vicariously through the Lions because their rebuild, uh, which is a year ahead of the Bears, but their rebuild has been going according to plan because. Two seasons removed from uh, an 0-10-1 start and a 3-13-1 season. They're a 12-5 team that have two playoff victories under their belt playing for the NFC uh, championship game. It's very much something I would love to see the Bears possibly do next year or 2025 at the latest, um, you know, once we finally figure out what we're doing with our quarterback situation. And, uh, you know, so I was, I was very much rooting for the Lions uh, to win this game. Not to mention, you know, one of my favorite guests I've ever had on my podcast, Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit, you know, lifelong uh, Lions fan who did make it out to the game uh, on Sunday. So he was there because I, I uh, read one of his uh, tweets saying something about driving in California. I was like, dude, did you go to the game? And the, his response to my text was uh, a picture from the press box at, in, uh, in Santa Clara. He was there. Like, wow, okay. Nice. So, yeah. So, it, and it's just like the 49ers were kind of like the Ravens, where the Ravens have kind of looked vulnerable at times throughout the year. But it's like between the two teams, I felt far more confident in Baltimore getting it done than I did San Francisco because San Francisco had their struggles with Green Bay uh, last week. Like, they won the game, but they they weren't the better team on the field against Green Bay last weekend. It just, it, you know, they got outplayed by Green Bay, and it was more about the plays that Green Bay didn't make more so than the ones that they did. And it was, you know, they, they dropped an easy pick six. They dropped another interception. I think uh, uh, Carlson missed a field goal uh, late in the game uh, as well. I think that would have made it uh, a tie ball game when the 49ers scored or something like that. And, you know, it was more about the plays that they didn't make than the ones that, that they did uh, in that one. And that's how they came up short against the 49ers. So here they come in uh, in this game. And the Lions played two nail-biters to, to get here. Uh, 
You know, they had that close one with the Rams. A lot of people still crying about that one and the calls that they didn't get that would have helped them, you know, win the game or whatever uh, against Detroit. And then, you know, Detroit with another close one uh, against the uh, Buccaneers uh, last weekend. So neither one of them is kind of plowing their way through the playoff field to get to uh, this point. But nonetheless, here we are. And, uh, you know, the Lions came in, and, and I just thought the Lions looked better. Uh, they looked better against Tampa Bay. They looked better against the Rams than the 49ers did against the Packers, which was the last team to get into the playoffs this year. And, uh, you know, I felt good about the Lions being able to win. I, I, I just thought the, you know, overall, like on paper, 49ers are clearly the superior team. But, you know, it, it's always been more about who's playing the best football, and I thought Detroit was playing the better football coming into the game and right off the bat, yeah, it looked uh, looked pretty good there for a while. <laughs> you know, the Lions come right down the field on you know to start the game. Four plays, they go seventy four yards, and it was uh, Jamison Williams, a forty two yard like jet sweep to get the uh, to get the Lions on the board like in the first two minutes uh, of the game. The two minutes hadn't even gone by, and it's already seven. To nothing. The, the 49ers then put together a drive, 12 plays, 45 yards, missed the field goal. Jake Moody, all of a sudden the most hated man in San Francisco uh, again. Very next drive for the uh, for the Lions. Bing, bang, boom, right down the field, 11 plays, 62 yards, another touchdown. This time it was uh, David Montgomery for the one-yard plunge uh, to get into the end zone. But it was a nice mixture of run and pass, for the uh, for the Lions, the running has been a very strong part of their game plan uh, for them, and they were using it against the 49ers, who struggled to stop Aaron Jones uh, last week against the 49ers. So at the end of one, it's fourteen nothing. The Lions are up; they're on the road; they're feeling it; they're in good shape; they're doing good things, and the 49ers are struggling. But the 49ers answer: eight plays, seventy-five yards. Polished off by a two-yard McCaffrey run to make it 14 uh, to 7. And after forcing a uh, punt for the, uh, for the Lions, the, the 49ers are, are coming out, and uh, pass rusher gets to um, Purdy. It was uh, Paschal, the defensive tackle, kind of does a high-five thing with Purdy. It, it throws off the trajectory of the football, it gets picked off, and the 49 excuse me, the Lions turn that uh, into a touchdown. Five plays, 48 yards, a 15-yard run for Jameer Gibbs, and it's 21 to seven now. You know, the 49ers go three and out on the following drive, and then the, the Lions go on a 17-play drive to basically finish off the first half, ending with a uh, field goal to make it 24 to seven, the entire half was all Lions. That one touchdown drive to make it 14-7 to was all that we got from the 49ers as far as them showing up for this game, and the rest of it was all Lions. You know, three touchdowns and a punt. Those were the four drives for the Lions uh, in the first half, and go in feeling it. Absolutely just humming right along uh, in the first quarter. It's like, man, this is... Uh, I mean, I thought the Lions would play well, and I thought they might win this game, but I was not expecting them to run the 49ers off the field. Then the second half comes, 
49ers start with the football. Nine-play drive, about four minutes off the clock. Field goal, 24 to 10. All right. So we got a little, we got some movement there. We got some points on the board. Now it's a, a two-touchdown game, 24 to 10. Then the, uh, then like I mentioned before, with the, with the, the Lions, where things turned for them. Whereas, like, I, I said that the Ravens lost because they abandoned what got them there. The Lions got themselves in trouble by doing what got them there, and that was being aggressive. And Dan Campbell loves to go for it on fourth down. I don't know if he's just uh, a blind analytics guy, but the, uh, the, the Lions have the football, and they move it all the way down to the San Francisco 28-yard line. So it would have been about a 45, 46-yard field goal, but it's fourth and two. That's got, and they're at the San Francisco 28. That's got going for it all over it, right? And to tell you the truth, watching the game at the time, I agree with the call. I still do, actually. I, I thought that was the right call at that time. You know, the, um, the 49ers came out and scored to start the half, got the field goal, so they got a little you know, blood going, got the juices flowing a little bit. The offense made something happen, got, got their first point since the first quarter. And this is how we, you know, setting the tone in the second half there. And then the Lions are moving right back down the field. Seven-yard run from Montgomery. Uh, another, you know, eight-yard run, five-yard run from Montgomery. Um, Sam Laporta for six yards. And, um, yeah, just Amon Ron St. Brown catches a pass here, and here we are, it's fourth and two. And like I said, I agree with the call. You keep the football, you score a touchdown, it's over. I, I, I really felt like the, if the, the Lions score there, it's done. Especially if they scored a touchdown, because then it would have been 31-10. to 10. It would have been a three-touchdown lead. And granted, there was, still would have been a lot of football left to play, but it would have taken a lot to offset. Because basically, by scoring the touchdown, the Lions have put down any momentum the 49ers thought they had with that field goal drive. They go for it on fourth and two. And Jared Goff finds a, a wide open uh, Reynolds in the middle of the field. Drops the ball. He just flat out dropped it. So it was like I agreed with the call right up until the time the receiver dropped it. damn ball. Then obviously it automatically becomes the wrong call. And people are, are killing uh, Dan Campbell for that call. And sure. But I think it's more so that the second one didn't work out than the first one didn't. If that was the only time they went for it on fourth down, I don't think we're talking about this as much. But off the heels of that, the 49ers got all the momentum. Five plays, 72 yards into the end zone. Now it's a one-score, 24-17 to 17 game after uh, Brandon Ayuk's touchdown catch from Purdy. 24-17. First play of the ensuing drive, Jameer Gibbs and uh, Jared Goff botch the exchange. It gets fumbled. It's recovered by Eric Armstead at the Detroit 24-yard line. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's okay now. The team that would have been dead to rights uh, is now all of a sudden one score away in scoring range 
at the 24-yard line, and the stadium is back into it. They're way into this now. Four plays, 24 yards, and uh, another uh, McCaffrey touchdown uh, later. It's 24 to 24. So just like that, 17 unanswered points from the 49ers was a 24 to 7 halftime deficit. It's 24 to 20. It's a 0 0 ball game now. So it's 0 0, but San Francisco's got all the momentum. The Lions all of a sudden abandoned the run. You know, they ran on first down with Montgomery, but second down, third down, both passing plays. And both went nowhere, both incompletes uh, to Laporta and looking for Reynolds again, who dropped another pass. Like, the guy couldn't buy a catch at at that point. He dropped the fourth down. He was open. He would have had a first down. He catches it on third and nine. Instead, he drops it. The, The stadium explodes. They kick the ball back to the 49ers, who drive it right down the field and get a field goal. So it's 27 to 24. That's 20 unanswered points now for the 49ers, and now the Lions, who had a 17-point lead, are losing this game. Then the moment that pretty much cost Detroit the football game. Coming back, responding to the field goal drive where they're now behind, the Lions put together a decent drive. Six plays, 45 yards, they're moving it down the field. First first play of the drive, Goff hits uh, Jamison Williams for a 22-yard catch. Then the handoff to Montgomery, a 16-yard run. So now they're in San Francisco uh, territory. And then, uh, you know, uh, Goff finds uh, Amara St. Brown for a 7-yard gain. So here we are again at the San Francisco 30-yard line. So it's a 47, 48-yard field goal to tie the game, to tie the game, to get back on the point, to get back on the board, to get back even with the 49ers, to stop the bleeding that is this 20 to nothing run the 49ers are on right now. Take the points. This one I disagreed with wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Take the points here. And instead, and it wasn't like the first time where it was just simply that the receiver dropped the ball. So it's like I, I agreed with going for it there. I didn't have a problem with the play call. You know, he throws it to the wide open uh, receiver, puts it where only the receiver can catch it, and he drops it. This time, he was under pressure pretty much from the snap of the football, was scrambling, just kind of heaved it downfield to no one in particular. There wasn't really even a lion in the area uh, of the ball where it landed uh, anyway. And, you know, you're still down uh, three points. The 49ers still have all the momentum and then they de- delivered the killer blow seven plays and 70 yards later. A um, uh, Mitchell run for three yards makes it 34 to 24 with three minutes to go in the game. So now the Lions, who haven't scored since before halftime, since just before halftime, have to score twice in the next three minutes. And they put together an 11-play, 75-yard drive that uh, was capped off uh, by a touchdown to make it 34-31. to 31. And then the most difficult play in football, the uh, onside kick doesn't go their way. San Francisco kneels on it. They're going back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2019. Uh, and against the same team, they're playing against the Chiefs uh, for Super Bowl 58. 
So, again, people are kind of piling on with Dan Campbell because of because both plays failed. Both times he goes for it on fourth down, both times it failed. And I, I don't think it's fair. I think it's 100% fair to give him a hard time about the second one. Because in the second one, you're losing the game now. You need these points. And, and like I mentioned a moment ago, you need to stop the bleeding that is this 20 to nothing run the 49ers have been on in the second half. Every time they've touched the ball in the second half, they've scored. And, you know, here we are. We're losing the game now. Where it is, we had a comfortable lead, and everybody's making their travel arrangements to Las Vegas at halftime. Now, all of a sudden, we're not going. They've taken the lead back. They have all the momentum. This stadium is rocking right now. You take the points to stop the bleeding, to give yourselves a little bit of momentum, maybe even take the crowd out of the game a little bit by nodding the game back up at that point uh, in the football game. And, and let me go back and look. There was seven and a half minutes to go in the game. So you had half the quarter left. You score that, you kick that field goal, you tie the game. You know, we're back to 0-0 ball game again. And, and instead, the 49ers get the stop. Seven plays, 70 yards later, boom, they put the game away. They put it out of reach uh, at that point. So as a Lions fan, number one, you knew what Campbell was going to do. But at the same time, he was absolutely wrong about the second one. The first one, I'll go to my grave. That's what I would have done in his position. I, I would have absolutely gone for it because you're up 14 at that point. It's like, yeah, you could take the, the, the points and the field goal and you could be up 17, and that's fine. It's the three-score game. Great. But I want to put these guys away, and that's the aggressive nature that's gotten the Lions to this point throughout the year. For better or for worse, this is what the Lions uh, have done. And, and Campbell even acknowledged that in the post-game press conference. He's like, I don't regret the calls. You know, it's like, and, and I know the scrutiny that I'm going to get is part of the job. So God bless him for acknowledging that. God bless him for acknowledging that he was going to have to eat a bag of shit for this. But at the same time, he was going to stay true to himself. And that's cool to a point. And like I said, I totally agree with the first call. You know, if you go up, you know, going up 17 is good. But if you go up 21 and it's 31 to 10 at that point, then you can definitely punch your ticket to Vegas. I, I don't think the 49ers come back if they're down 31 to 10 uh, in the third quarter like that. I, I just don't see it happening because that little fire that the, uh, you know, the 49ers started with the drive and then putting a field goal on the board, thus ending the 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 streak that was the Lions going on a, 17 to nothing run to finish the first half. You know, now instead they're up 21. They're up 21 points. And the 49ers have to score three times, three touchdowns just to tie the game. I thought it was definitely the way to go. Didn't work out. The guy just flat out dropped the ball. So it's not even like you were inexplicably like, why the hell would they do that? The only thing that would make you scratch your head in hindsight is on fourth and two. Why aren't you running the ball? You know, give it to Gibbs to the outside or put it right up the middle with Montgomery, something like that. You know, you, a running team is, you know, that you got, obviously they've been great on offense all year, but 
running the football is what you've done in those types of situations, and instead you've straight up pass on fourth and two. That's the only um, criticism I have for the play was that I probably would have run the ball there, but because I mean the the, the the Lions' offensive line was fantastic and and was really handling uh, Bosa and and Chase Young and and, and those guys up front uh, in the first half and into that drive. I mean they. You know, Montgomery had a 16-yard run like two plays before. So they were, you know, running, still running the ball effectively uh, and everything. I probably would have uh, called my best running play there uh, versus uh, going for the pass. But that's, that's the only scrutiny that I have for the call. For that situation and, you know, the scenario, I would have gone for it 100%. But uh, I absolutely would not have gone for it the second time. I, I was texting... Uh, with a buddy of mine, and when it became clear the Lions were going to go for it, we were texting back and forth. I was like, I don't, yeah, he shouldn't be doing this. He shouldn't. I was like, I'm t- take you take the points here, just take the points, absolutely take the points here. And sure enough, the play was an absolute dud, and the 49ers used that to uh, put the game away. So it's unfortunate. Ends a really great season for the Lions. Ends what was our kind of like our best Cinderella type story to have this team that so rarely is in this position. Uh, and has never made it to the Super Bowl. They could have made it to their first one. And how poetic would it have been for the NFL season to finish where it had started? Very first game of the season, Thursday night kickoff game, Lions in Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Here we finish. We finished the same way we started, Lions in Kansas City. I thought it would have been great for it to be uh, that way. So, unfortunately, it didn't go down. Now the Lions have to see if they can lie in their way back into this position uh, next season. And the 49ers are headed back to the Super Bowl, I think, for the sixth or seventh time in uh, franchise history. So there you have it, guys. The review of the AAFC-NFC Conference Championship games. I went 0 for 2 (laughs) because I picked the Ravens and I picked the Lions and neither one of my teams came through for me uh, this weekend. But at least the games were, uh, were entertaining. And, um, you know, had a lot of fun watching them. Uh, we're going to be on a little break until next week, say maybe Thursday or Friday before we preview the uh, Super Bowl. And then we'll be done, guys. We'll have two shows left, or we have two shows left right now, where we'll preview the Super Bowl, then we'll review the Super Bowl, and that'll be it for the 2023 season. We can finally close the book on it and, and go into what is probably far going to be the most interesting offseason for my beloved Chicago Bears in quite some time. I, mean, I thought we were in for a lot last season, cap space, number one pick and all that kind of stuff. And now it's we have the number one pick again and the choice is there. You know, Fields did not have that dazzling year that put it all in that left no doubt into who our quarterback was going to be and Twitter is just an ugly, ugly place because the, the fan base is so divided right now. And, um, you know, you guys already know where I sit uh, with this, so I'm not going to get into it now. But we have plenty of chances to talk about it once the offseason is finally here. So uh, enjoy the break. Enjoy the Pro Bowl if you are so inclined. I will not be watching because I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in years. And then, you know, especially when it became like the two-hand touch fest and and now it's just uh you know kind of like all-star weekend for the nba there's a bunch of games and there's a flag football contest and all that kind of stuff that that's all right i'm I'm good with that i don't i don't need to watch that so 
I'll take the weekend off. It's my mom's birthday weekend anyway, so I'm take mom out to dinner, go see a movie or something like that, hang out and enjoy my my football this uh, weekend, and then we'll have one more weekend of football before the vast wasteland that is the off season for the next six months. <laughs> Not looking forward to that at all. But anyway, guys, look uh, look out for the show next Thursday, possibly Friday at the latest to preview Super Bowl Fifty Eight between the 49ers and the Chiefs. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we will see you next time.